Tomorrow marks the fourth anniversary of the death of one of the world's most famous preachers, uh, Dr. Billy Graham. He died aged 99. Dr. Graham once said these words, God's love did not begin at the cross. It began in eternity before the world was established, before the time clock of civilization began to move. I love that, and it shouldn't surprise us, because in 1 John 4, we read very clearly and profoundly that God is love. God is love, if you like, is in God's divine DNA. 1 John 4 verse 19, we love because he first loved us. Love. One single word that covers a multitude of languages, and there are several words for love in the Greek. Eros, mania, philia, storge, ludus, flautia, pragma, and agape. Our language isn't very rich in this respect. In fact, we use the L word quite cheaply. Eros, let's take that one first. Sexual or passionate love, most akin to the modern construct of Roman romantic love. Well, the florists and the confectioners have been very uh, busy last week. Um, Whether or not we've been caught up in it all, Valentine's Day is a very important commercial event. And I can't help but think people are very confused about it. When we were visiting uh, the United States, we heard how in the school classes, children write Valentine's cards to everybody in their class. But essentially, it's meant to be about romantic attraction. Then there's mania. It's another obsessive and unbalanced kind of love. Then there's philia, or friendship, or brotherly love. The ancient Greeks considered that to be a love between equals. Uh, You know, the love that you share between friends, particularly if you've gone through really difficult times, endured those times together with someone. There's a a love between you that often involves um, loyalty or camaraderie amongst teammates, that there's a commitment between you as you work together. Then there's another Greek word, storge. That's parental or family love. Just a week ago, Francis and I were saying our goodbyes, uh, leaving our lovely family in America. And as our seven-year-old granddaughter waved goodbye through the car window with tears running down her cheeks, she made the heart symbol through uh, the window. (laughs) It was so hard to say goodbye to family that we love dearly. That's storge, family love. And then there's ludus, which is playful love, or pragma, long-standing love, or philautia, which is love of self, self-love. And then there's agape. And today I want to ask the question, what's agape got to do with it? I'm not going to sing. <laughs> For Christians, agape is the highest, most radical type of love. It's not a feeling. It's a selfless, unconditional love. It's what we sometimes call spiritual love because it's bigger than ourselves. 
a pure, boundless compassion, an infinite empathy that's unconcerned with self. It's sacrificial. God so loved the world. That's agape love. He gave his one and only son. In Jesus, we see that sacrificial, self-giving love. And in today's gospel reading, it's clear that we're to love everyone with an agape love, just as Christ does. And that's tough, really tough. It means even loving our enemies. It means turning the other cheek even when you feel like thumping someone. It means giving away the coat that you have, your best coat, though really you want to keep it. It means willfully going beyond what seems humanly possible in love, even when people curse you or abuse you or actively seek your detriment. That's the radical kind of love that the gospel of Christ is all about. And sometimes we cheapen that word by using love for all things. Agape love isn't about sentimentality. It's costly. It's not determined by someone else's behavior. Rather, it's motivated and empowered by the person giving that love not the recipient. It's a divine love that we must allow somehow to possess our whole being. And we need the Holy Spirit if we are to be a people who live out agape love because it doesn't come naturally. It's much more natural in a situation to claim our rights to fight back, to justify ourselves, or to express the irritation that we feel. But when we're possessed with the love of God and empowered by the Holy Spirit, we're prepared to love even when someone pushes in front of us in the bus queue. We're prepared to love even when the person got promoted ahead of us. We're prepared to love even when we're lied to or we're told that we're useless. We're prepared to love even when a discourteous neighbour ignores us or when a church member ignores us or discriminates against us. Now, it doesn't mean being a doormat, but it does mean going beyond what would seem the norm, and being sacrificial in our love because of Christ. You see, Jesus said these words, love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. That's what I was talking about, the recipient. It's more about you. Then your reward will be great. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. You see, God is love, and we're made in his image. And it's the Holy Spirit that can ignite that love within even you and me. The other day, I had a meme pop up up on my uh, Facebook page, 
And I've realized that God can speak even through social media sometimes. It was a word that I needed to hear. Uh, something to remember, by the way, when we're posting words, we could be posting words that other people need to hear. And it was a simple quote from Luke Lezen. It's difficult to throw stones when you're washing someone's feet. Love like Jesus. Let me say that again. It's difficult to throw stones when you're washing someone's feet. Love like Jesus. It's worth letting those words just sink in. You see, I think that if we're to gra- grasp what God's love is all about, we need to try and adopt the posture of Jesus and fall to our knees a little more often, prayerfully, humbly, and servant-heartedly. The trouble is, and I'm speaking personally, is I'm often too puffed up, self-important, self-reliant, self-righteous, to adopt that different position. Think of the Samaritan in Jesus' parable who bent down to tend the stranger's wounds. What does it mean for you and me to kneel at the feet of others, to kneel before the one who's about to betray you, to kneel to reach out and embrace the untouchable leper, or probably more likely for us, to kneel and actually have a conversation with the street sleeper. Turning the other cheek is another vulnerable posture, especially when we're humiliated. Think of that lesson in the Old Testament that we had read for us. Joseph was once proud and puffed up. He was the favorite son of Jacob. He paraded his special coat in front of his brothers. One day you will bow down to me. Joseph had a lot to learn. He endured being stripped of his cloak and betrayed by his brothers who were so sick of him. He was thrown in a pit, sold off and later put in prison. But look how God was dealing with him through those times. When he eventually saw his brothers again, he adopted a different position. He said, come close to me. And when they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed. Do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Joseph was puffed up, but he really became powerful when he expressed humility and drew close. It's interesting that after Jesus washed his disciples' feet, sung that song, didn't we? Jesus, you, Jesus, you, fill us with your love. It was after he washed the disciples' feet that he said these words, a new commandment I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, 
so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. I wonder if love is the badge of this church or the badge for you as a Christian. When people see you, do they confront agape love and perhaps even at times feel uncomfortable by it? That's the question I think I want us to ask ourselves today is, is it agape love that people see in the church? Because if they do, they will be drawn to the church. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. You see, that's our witness. And it's because God is love. (laughs) And Jesus is God's son, and we are following Jesus. And so I want to encourage you today individually, but all of us as a church, to pray with all of our hearts that we might adopt the Jesus position, the Jesus posture. As we take bread and wine, we may not be able to kneel as we usually do, but I love it when I take bread and wine and I have to kneel because it is the surrendering of self, the giving of ourself, to our God and being open to receive so that we can give. And if we can't kneel today, I wonder whether when we're taking bread and wine, whether we can imagine ourselves prostrate before the Lord and pray, loving God, I want to see people as you see them, to love as you do, Help me to change from being puffed up to being humble and gracious. Remember the words of prophet Micah, chapter 6, verse 8. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. Uh, Today is the World Day of Social Justice. It's organized by the United Nations. And social justice actually has to do with agape love. To quote a song, you may know it, by John Mayer. When you show me love, I don't need your words. Yeah, love ain't a thing. Love is a verb. Love ain't a thing. Love is is a verb. And when I was at school, I learned that a verb is a doing word. (laughs) We've got to put it into practice. It's a doing word. The love of Jesus requires more of us. It goes beyond hearts and flowers and a lovely car, beyond loving our family, beyond loving our friends that we've known for years, who've put up with all our funny ways. Agape is an act of the will, loving those who we would not naturally be drawn to. It means rolling up our sleeves if we haven't already given the coat or the shirt away. So what's agape got to do with it? Well, it's everything. 
It's at the heart of the covenant prayer that we pray each year. And I want to draw these reflections together with some words from St. Paul from Ephesians 5. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and live a life of love just as Christ loved you and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering, a sacrifice to God. Remember Agrippa being a sacrifice? For if we live sacrificially, there's actually so much blessing. It's something that we're actually learning as a church. The more that we give in love, the more we spend ourselves for the gospel, the more we give, the greater blessing we will see. And I hope as a church we can seek to be in the Methodist tradition perfected in that kind of love as individuals and as corporate disciples. For Jesus promises at the end of that reading we had, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured to you. What's love got to do with it? Everything. Amen.